welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning and happy Friday. I hope everyone's doing well, and I'm so excited to bring you this Friday episode. Today is a book club episode, and we're going to be talking with Heather Avis. You've heard from Heather before on the podcast. She's been on two other times, actually. So she has been on the podcast more than any other guest at this point. (laughs) Congratulations, Heather. In March, she released her book, The Lucky Few. And if you're familiar with Heather from past episodes, she talked about her story of bringing her family together through adoption. Two of her children have Down syndrome, and she has come to realize that those differences are actually quite extraordinary, and it makes their family dynamic really special. And she has words of wisdom for other people that might be wanting to educate their children on befriending children with differences, and just loving and respecting all people. And I think that's a lesson that we need to be reminded of sometimes as adults as well. So we're just going to get to it with Heather, and we're going to talk about her amazing new book, The Lucky Few, and I'm so excited for her and this launch. So definitely pick up her book, The Lucky Few. I'll have links on um, the website, Extraordinary Moms Podcast, so that you can head straight over to Amazon or any bookstore to pick it up. It's amazing. She did a fabulous job, and I loved hearing even more in detail about her journey. So let's get to it with Heather. All right, I'm excited to be talking again with Heather Avis. Hi, Heather. Hi, Jessica. I feel like we're old-time friends at this point in life. I love it. I totally agree, but I feel like we (laughs) live too close to each other to not actually have met in person yet, so we need to work on that. We do. Yes, for sure. For sure. sure. Um, Can I just tell you something really sweet, Heather? Yeah. So last night, we kind of had a family night lesson. My niece is staying with us right now. And um, after you posted this video of Macy doing her pump-up talk, which I like to equate with the Cool Runnings mirror speech, where it's like, I am okay. God, I am power, you know, where he's like pumping himself up to go out there. And you videotaped Macy doing a pump-up speech before her dance class that you said was a little bit too difficult for her and she was realizing it was too difficult. So I showed my kids that video of you challenging her to believe in herself, to be empowered, to recite affirmations. And I had them watch that and I had them tell me what they thought of that. And they were just so blown away by how brave she was to Aww. face something hard. I'm like starting to cry. And, oh and I said, and I said, it's no different for you. I'm like, you might notice that she has some differences but we all have differences and we all have things that scare us. We all have things that feel too hard for us. We all have things that we face that we're like really unsure of. And so to believe in yourself and see an example of somebody else who believes in themselves, that can give you a lot of, of power and confidence that you can do hard things too. And we talked a lot about that and, um, it was a really powerful tool last night. So thank you for posting that. It's a really personal, vulnerable thing. So I think that's wonderful. Why did you post that video? Oh, my gosh, Jessica. First, I have to say thank you for sharing all that. I'm, I have so many things I want to say about it. I think um, it's so awesome from my perspective that, like, the hard work I feel like we're doing on our end and trying to change the narrative for people with Down syndrome. And to hear you say how you're talking about people, your kids watching Mason, who has Down syndrome, and then being inspired by her and her bravery um, and her willingness to do hard things. It's awesome. So cool. Um, 
I posted it last night because I just felt like, I feel like I've already invited people onto this journey that we're on with our family. Mm -hmm. Um, And these moments where I'm watching Mason really struggle and then choose to step into the struggle and not quit. I feel like those are moments that inspire me and I want them to inspire others. And, um, and also just a a window into the reality of having an eight year old who has down syndrome and the things that we're doing are hard. Like I, I, when I take her to her dance class, I sit with a tiny bit of anxiety in every session Mm. watching like to make sure she's doing okay to make sure the other kids are being kind. Um, there are, I have cringe moments in every single class where I just like have to control myself to not run through the door and take over <laughs> and save her. Right. Our, our gut know? as a parent is to want to always rush in and save our kids. Yeah, totally. So it just was a moment, um, where I, for a brief second, I thought I'm going to cry and we're leaving. Um, mm. because there's, there's other pieces to it, but but then I thought, no, that's not what we're doing here. And I was I was also talking to a mom who has a daughter with Down syndrome. And she's like, this was a miracle that she could express herself like that. And it's true. When I got home, I was sharing the story with my husband. We were both like, there's such a maturity about her that we're seeing blossom, which is really awesome, I think, for any parent, you know, to watch their kid, like, step into that maturity. Yeah. Where she was able to, to recognize it's too hard and rather just sit on the floor and quit, which has been something she's done a lot. And we worked so hard on to have her walk out the door and say, this is too hard. I can't do this um, to express that. I mean, there were so many layers to it last yes, night. It felt yes. like this little, this little miracle on oh. video. And so, yes, I want to share that with everyone who loves her like I do. Well, it was so powerful. And I think it's applicable not just for children with Down syndrome or with special needs, but with all children and all people yeah. to really to dig deep. And and you referred to her one time. There was – I think she was pouring her own cereal – several weeks ago or months ago and and you called her something was it like a a glass half empty or doubter or you called her something but it was like she just views things as like a defeatist kind of mentality and some of us are like that right some of us are always approaching things like I probably can't do it it probably won't work out right and so we don't have to stay with that. And you're really empowering her to overcome that. And that might be one of her weaknesses, but you're not going to let her sit there, which I think is so powerful, Heather. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it is It is like the thing of our lives right sure, now with Mason. Sure. And, um, I think what's really interesting about her and why I, I just say all the time, she is seriously a hero. She is like freaking gold. She's incredible. <laughs> is that I think from to the naked eye, it can look like she doesn't try very hard or she does have this defeatist attitude that we have been working so hard on it, but which is her personality. Yeah. But you also take that personality and you pair that with um, like a body and a mind that doesn't fit into the world that surrounds them. You know what I mean? With her having Down syndrome and that she's got all these things coming at her from every corner of the world trying that are almost in opposition to who she is naturally. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And so then she, her ability to like be brave in the midst of that. And so what we're working on is for a world to make room for exactly who she is. But in the meantime, she has all these battles. She has to fight that she doesn't even know she's fighting like the second she wakes up. Mm. Um, And so we're so proud of her. It's been such an awesome honor to get to watch that from the front row. Yeah, And I think, you know, just for all moms, like our kids come to us with these personalities 
<laughs> that either fit or don't fit into the society that just has been thrown at us. Um, and so to recognize that, that our, I feel like we have to give our kids a little more grace sometimes, mm-hmm. just letting them be who they are, but also pushing them to be the best version of that self. Oh, parenting yeah. so hard. <laughs> it is. And they're all so different, you know? Yeah. And so it's like your, your custom parenting to every single child that you have. And mm-hmm. some are going to be easier than others. And some are going to click more with your personality than others. And it's just, and it's, and it's always changing, right? With each new mm-hmm. season, it's like right now you're in the midst of a certain set of circumstances that are challenging, but in six months, it's going to look a little different, right? <laughs> so right. it's like, ah, it's so much. It's so much. <laughs> Well, Heather, I was telling you before we got on the call, The Lucky Few is a beautiful tribute to your kids' story and to your family's evolution. And so for the people that may not have listened to previous episodes, we have a lot of new people listening in the community, and I'll link to your past episodes. We don't need to go into your full um, family dynamic and family story. (laughs) They can listen to the past episodes. But for this book, The Lucky Few, what does that title mean to you, Heather? The Lucky Few has really grown, which it for me, which I really appreciate. Um, so I started it as a hashtag. We have an Instagram account, Macy Makes My Day, and it was just initially to promote Down syndrome awareness and adoption awareness. And um, for the new listeners, I'll, I'll, I have three kids. All of them are adopted. My eldest and my youngest both have Down syndrome. And so the one day I did a picture, posted it, hashtag, and I just thought of The Lucky Few. Mm-hmm. I thought... I love that, like the idea that there's so few of us who have kids with Down syndrome and those of us who do are so lucky. So that's how it started. Um, and then it started to grow and grow and grow, and we were a few hundred hashtags in, and, and there were a lot of people using it, mostly people who have a child with Down syndrome. And I thought, did I start this? And then I, <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure other people have said it, but I scrolled back in terms of like Instagram hashtag that I started this thing, the lucky few, and oh. and it just kind of took off. And then it, for me, it's really grown. So initially it was what I said you know, that there aren't very many of us have a living with Down syndrome, those of us who are so lucky. But I feel like it goes so, it's so much bigger than that. Sure. Um, people will say, well, I would love to be a part of the lucky few, but I don't have a kid with Down syndrome. And I think, no, this is an opportunity for everybody to step into and meaning that there are so many opportunities in life that just seem so scary. You know, like we don't want to step into this dark, unknown territory that's so far from the plans that we had initially created for ourselves. And that's our family story. We had this plan for what my life would look like, and we ended up so far off that trail in this, like, in this wilderness that seemed so terrifying and scary. And once we were there and stopped fighting it um, Mm -hmm. and embraced it, there was such a richness and a beauty to be found in those places. And so those of us, I feel like, who are willing to step away from these perfect plans we've created for ourselves and into the wilderness where great beauty and truth are waiting, um, those of us who do that are the lucky few. Absolutely. So any of us are the lucky yes. few. When we realize the blessings and the the perfectness of our own lives, where we are right this second, simply because it's ours. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. And that and and people and I think the idea too of taking risks, you know, mm. like looking around and seeing am I sitting really comfortably in all of my circles that are familiar and what's outside those? How if I step outside, how will that help me be a better person? How will that help my children develop in their character? How will that help the greater good of the world around us? Yeah. Um, 
And those of us who do that, it's risky. It's hard, you know? And that's why not a lot of people do it. But those who do, we find ourselves so lucky to be face-to-face with a new kind of reality and a new kind of beauty. Oh, absolutely. A common theme that kind of struck me in this book was the common recurring theme in experiences in your life where things weren't going according to your plan um, and there were times where you look at other people's lives, like your sisters having babies and mm-hmm. and your kids having challenges in school and things like that. And when you look at somebody else's life and you think, oh, gosh, it's easy for them or they got what they wanted, how did you deal with when life didn't go as planned, when you didn't get that baby biologically after you had tried to have a baby, when you – you know, decided to go forth with, with medical challenges with your children, but mm-hmm. it would have been easier to not have to face that. How did you reconcile, we're willing to take the hard path because it's worth it? Um, it I think it's a really slow going process mm-hmm. and it is depending on the situation and the moment. It's like a day by day or an hour by hour or a minute by minute decision of we're going to keep moving forward so Mm. there would be challenges or roadblocks or disappointments or I had moments where I felt like I don't have one ounce of hope left hope has completely left my life but I still woke up the next day got up got dressed so it's this idea that you have to make a choice you Mm. know you've got to say I'm going to take one step forward it might be the tiniest step of all time but I'm going to take that one step and I'm going to keep taking that one step and I'm going to trust that God's got a good plan in place and it's pitch black around me and it might be for another hundred steps, but just keeping it, taking that one step. Um, I don't think it's like some big magic formula mm-hmm. to get us through these hard times. I really think that sometimes it is a minute by minute decision in continuing to move forward when things are really challenging. Yeah, and I think when people stay stuck is when they think that there is going to be this 180 in their life. They're yeah. waiting for that huge catastrophic thing that writes all of the wrongs. You know, mm-hmm. it's when they do get pregnant finally. It's when they do get the healthy baby. It's when they do, then they can be happy and then they can yeah. see the light. But I like what you're saying that you don't choose after the good thing. <laughs> you choose yeah. right now. You choose right now to yeah. get out of bed. You choose right now to show up for your kids. You choose right now to just have hope. And that's not yeah. easy. I'm not negating that it's that it's difficult, but for sure it's uh yeah, it's 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 a step-by-step moment-by-moment process. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that may not be familiar with down syndrome, for people that maybe don't have children with special needs or maybe don't even know somebody who has down syndrome, how does your life look different and how do your kids' lives look different with dealing with down syndrome every day? Um, I'm sure there are a lot of differences, but I don't notice them very often because Mm -hmm. this is just what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that a misconception or, or I've talked to a lot of parents who are either considering adopting a child with Down syndrome or found out that they're going to have a child with Down syndrome. And, um, I think that a huge fear is their life will never look the same. Mm -hmm. Um, and it can't ever be what they thought it would be. And I think that's just parenting. All the mamas (laughs) can can shout a big amen you know like you right. get this child in your life just any kid and your life will never be the same and yeah, that's, that's just the reality that's so true <laughs> but I think with Down syndrome that that your life is going to be more what you thought it would look like than you realize okay, that you're just yeah. going to do life um and of course there's things that happen but my, my eldest and my youngest both ended up having congenital heart defects and 
um, my, my eldest had some serious health issues. And so, yes, we found ourselves in more doctor's waiting rooms than we would have liked. But the thing about it is you just do what you got to do when it's your kid um, and it becomes your normal. So I think that the biggest difference with my, just my day to day, um, we're just putting a lot of extra hours in to help our kids reach their maximum potential, um, which I think can be confused with being acceptable I don't know how to explain that. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, yeah. So we're doing all these extra things with Mason and August, like occupational therapy and physical therapy and speech therapy and extra reading classes and extra tutoring. And we're doing these things. My purpose is so that they can be their, their best selves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that often gets blurred with so that they can be more like other kids. Right. Uh, which isn't our goal. And I don't think should be the goal, mm-hmm. but this, that's a big long conversation. Right, right. And like you said, with this example of the dance class last night, how often do you think it is that Macy realizes that she is not like the other kids her age? I think she's eight right now. She'll be nine in June. Mm -hmm. And I feel as though the last few months we're just stepping into that with her. Um, And I think it's a lot of different pieces. I think it's her just being older and more mature. I think that her peers also notice it more than they used to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when she was five, other her peers didn't really necessarily notice as much, but she's eight and most eight-year-olds are at least a foot taller than her, um, can talk more clearly. And so I think that there's also this idea of like her, her peers aren't responding to her um, in the way that they used to. And she notices that. Mm-hmm. Are most yeah. of her, sorry, are most of her friends other children with special needs or does she have typical friends as well? She has mostly typical neurotypical friends. Okay. okay. Uh, we, we have a lot of friends in the down syndrome community, but it's not people that live close by. Okay. So she has a lot of friends with down syndrome, but it's more like we see them once a month. Right. Um, at different kinds of events. Whereas like her day to day friends are neurotypical. Kids. Yeah. And I just asked that because I think it needs to be encouraged and mm-hmm. brought to the attention of of parents like of my kids that are neurotypical that if you see a child that has any difference you know whether they're just shy whether they don't talk back and maybe they might be on the spectrum maybe they have down syndrome maybe they look different whatever it is if there is a child that looks like they'd like to play with you they're fair game (laughs) and and how can we approach a child that looks like they might want to play with you at the park and so we role play that a lot at home so great, so Jessica. What yeah. would you, yeah? What would you tell other parents? Because ultimately, when I showed my kids the video and other pictures of your family, I'm like, what if you saw them playing at the park? Like, what mm-hmm. could you do? What could you say? And do you think they would want to play with you? And they're like, well, yeah, like of, of course, right? But sometimes kids aren't prepared for that, and so speak yeah. to those parents that need to educate their children on how to do that. Yeah, well, it's exactly what you're saying. I think role-playing is so important and having an open dialogue with your kids. I think it's okay for your kids to feel really uncomfortable in not knowing what to do, like normalizing that and saying, yeah, that's fine that you feel uncomfortable about this, but let's go ahead and and see what does it look like to feel uncomfortable and step into that. And that's okay to feel Mm -hmm. that way. Um, It's interesting you're saying this. Last night, my middle daughter, Truly, who doesn't have special needs, is also in a ballet class that's happening the same time as hip-hop for my eldest. So I, the parents got to watch um, this. the kids do a little dance, and then afterwards they got to free dance, and Truly 
And so the parents are watching, and there's two girls in the class. So these are five- and six-year-old little girls. Two girls in the class who, from my quick observations, are like the popular girls in the class, if this can be a thing in ballet class for five- and six-year-olds. <laughs> and these two girls are dancing, dancing, and my truly wants to join them. And my truly star is a, f- a fierce, a yes. fierce, a force. Thank yes. you. Yes. A force to be reckoned with, right? <laughs> she's, she's a force. But these girls wouldn't include her and she's trying to hold their hands and they're pushing her away and truly just shut down. And I, my heart broke. I was a little girl who Mm. was rejected in junior high and elementary school. You know, I feel like every, almost every girl has had this experience being left (gasps) out of the popular group. Oh my gosh. So I was, my heart just broke and these little girls are just dancing. So afterwards, this is, there's a point to all this. Afterwards, (laughs) I said to Truly, I just said to her, Hey babe, I noticed that you were trying to dance with the friends and they weren't including you. How did that feel? And she said, it felt pretty bad. I said, honey, I'm so sorry that happened. That's really hard. She goes, yeah, it's okay, mom. I said, And then it, the lesson is, so you know, when you know how that feels so bad, you have to recognize that when you're playing at recess or at the park, there's probably always going to be a kid who really wants to play. So let's have eyes that notice those kids. Mm-hmm. Let's look around and have hearts that recognize that. And then we can step in and ask them, invite them to come join us so that other kids don't have to feel that really yucky feeling. So I think that it's important for parents, just period, especially parents of girls. Like we've got to be teaching our girls to be inclusive and kind and loving. Um, For whatever reason, it's so easy to exclude. Little girls can easily exclude other girls. Starting at very young, it blows my mind (laughs) because I've seen it happen. So there's that, and then if you add the layer of a child who has special needs, who is maybe doesn't communicate as clearly or doesn't know how to ask to play, um, it's just so important to be raising our kids to have hearts and eyes to notice the kid on the corner, you know, like the kid that's left out, and to invite them in to play. we got to be teaching our kids that. Yeah, and I think kids are definitely self-centered you know and that's just like their nature and so it's not necessarily their fault that they're not seeing those kids on the peripheral but it is our job to get them like you said to have eyes for those kids and guaranteed once they start being on the lookout for that they will see that and they'll get more comfortable with that especially for our kids that are leaders that are maybe the cool kids that maybe do have outgoing personalities these are the kids the other kids are looking to to befriend those kids Mm -hmm. and what are they doing when that child isn't acting, you know, quote unquote normal in class? Mm -hmm. Are they laughing at them or are they going over and asking them to join their group? What are they doing? Totally. And it starts at home with us parents, you know, kids are going to do what their parents are doing. And, um, for the, for the most part, I also recognize my middle daughter as much as we are encouraging for her to be inclusive and loving and kind that her personality, she's just got this sassy personality. So I, I've said to my husband, I would not be surprised if she's the kid at school that's leaving other kids out, which makes me so sad, right. you know, but we, but it starts at home. We have to be the example and we have to be intentional in how we raise our children, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's not a one-time talk either, especially no. for these strong-willed yeah. kids that may be the ones that are just in their own groove and doing their own thing. Yeah. You know, it's a constant <laughs> reminder and they're watching us too are we being friendly are we including are we role modeling those values and those social skills that we want our kids to have yeah totally absolutely 
you are so vulnerable and so open in this book about everything from deciding to adopt Mason and take on not only Down syndrome, but the congenital heart defect and other potential medical issues. You talk about being ready to adopt truly and then ultimately seeking out another child um, with Down syndrome and not being afraid of that anymore and bringing home August. And it's just, it's a beautiful evolution. And I don't even know if you can like put the nail on the head with this, but how are you different today than when you started this journey? Um, I am completely different. <laughs> I am a totally different person now than I was eight years or eight and a half years ago when we brought Mason home eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the, maybe one of the biggest difference differences for me is just the posture of my heart as I move forward in life mm-hmm. in, um, moving, stepping into every day with my hands open so I, of course we plan and we have ideas of what looks best for our family and steps we're going to take to get to that place. But if there's anything I've learned, it's that God knows what's best for my life mm. and I've got to step that direction. So I feel like that's over. That's the overall change yeah. for me. I went from this person who was trying to control exactly what my life was going to look like, working really, really hard at that to... I mean, my husband and I say 100% we, we want to be done with kids. Um, we're, we feel like our family is totally complete. But I also recognize that this morning, if I get a phone call and something happens and this is where God's leading me to another child, of course I'm going to say yes. I'm going to do it with a little bit of kicking and screaming. But <laughs> I'm going to, you know, like just the posture of opening your palm and being open to whatever it is that God's doing because he, he really does know what's best, even if it seems totally wild. Wow. And that's not an overnight evolution either. I think that's important to point out. You know, it takes (laughs) years and years to get to that point where you are truly willing. And it takes a lot of challenges along the way to refine yourself to the place where you're like, okay, God has proven himself and I have proven myself that I can get through these things with him and I can endure all things and we can be better even when life doesn't look like we thought it would. Yeah. If we continue to hold on to the control that we are striving to have, then we don't even have an opportunity to know God in that way that can change our hearts. Like we have to be able to let go of the control and trust. And that's when we can really start to see our hearts transform because he's going to prove himself faithful again and again and again and again. But we have to let him do that. We have to be in a place to let him do that. Oh, absolutely. And the lucky few for people that are interested in purchasing the book, it's not only about your journey and it's not just for people that are curious about what your journey has looked like um, in the specifics of your own family, but it's for anybody that is really looking kind of for a beacon of hope in terms of maybe they're facing a challenge in their own life or they're releasing, you know, the possibility of the unknown future, you know, and, you know, they're just trying to to have hope that there, there is that reliability, that things will be okay. It's for anybody who, who is looking for that inspiration. It is just so beautifully written, Heather. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. You've done yeah, so for well. me, it was Down syndrome and adoption, but for, for other people, there's, there's yeah. things happening in their lives. Yeah. It's everyone's story is different and unique. Yeah, but there's so much we can learn from this. So as somebody that has put your family out there, you have um, the Instagram, Macy Makes My Day, which has been wildly popular, and you've been a champion of the Down Syndrome community, also the hashtag, the lucky few. 
I'm sure there are times where you're not sure if you want to like be that public and <laughs> be that open. But also it's allowed people to see hope in your family and maybe they've gotten a diagnosis in utero or, or just after their baby's been born that their child has Down syndrome and they're looking to you for that hope. What kind of feedback have you gotten as you've been so public and open as people have reached out to you? Oh, Jessica, it's been mind-blowing. Um, there's a thing called a launch team, which you said you were a part of. And mm-hmm. so we have asked 400 people to join. They get an advanced copy of the book. And on then we have a, fa- a private Facebook page. And so it's just been a little over a week that we've been this team on this Facebook page. And people are just saying how, they, how they've heard of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just had no idea the effects and how, how widespread our little Instagram page has become in offering people encouragement and hope. Um, the mamas who said, I, I got this diagnosis. I found Heather in on Instagram and it gave me the hope that I was lacking. I mean, it, I can't, I don't even have words. People oh. are like, how does this feel? How are you feeling? Um, I don't know how to put it in words, how unbelievably humbled and honored I am that this little tiny Instagram account has, been an encouragement to so many people in their lives um and how my kids and what we're just what we're doing on a day-to-day has inspired so many mm. it it just totally blows my mind and humbles me to my core and it and it just makes it all totally worth it yeah. too you know like like the putting my kids out there I feel like what we're doing is so much bigger than an Instagram account absolutely um, it's so much bigger than a picture a day that there's this need in the Down syndrome world and just in the world in general with mamas and adoption and all the different pieces. There's just this need to see the beauty and the hope that exists in these places. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for any listeners that feel like they have a story or they have a niche where they want to offer encouragement to other people who are going through something similar to them don't underestimate the power of your voice and your story to put that out there because you don't even know you know if you just are vulnerable enough to put out something who might connect with that and who might be encouraged by that and help them to to deal with what they're dealing with you just never know totally I think that people have this idea that if you don't have a big platform if you don't have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram or if you're not standing on a stage speaking to thousands of people what kind of impact can you make Mm -hmm. but the reality of telling your story and sharing your situation and being encouraging to one other person is huge. You know, like one other life is so important. And yeah, like you just said, it's so important for people to understand that you don't need a huge platform to make an incredible difference in the world. You just got to share your story and be open and vulnerable with other people. Yeah. And so many times the things that do end up quite big started quite small. So you just yeah. never know. And, and it's not the intention to get big. Right. That's not the end goal or or that means you're successful. Yeah. But just, Definitely. you just never know. You just never know. And look at you guys. Look at you guys. No, it's so wild. So good. So what is the key takeaway that you want the readers of The Lucky Few to learn from your story? Um, the main thing I want people to learn is that everybody's got this opportunity to say yes to that big scary thing and mm-hmm. it's going to look different for everybody um, and to take that step into the wilderness and find the beauty that waits for you there I love it everyone needs to run 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 or run to your computer or run to a bookstore or something <laughs> and get the lucky few by Heather Avis you're an author 
Thanks, Jessica. You're I know. Author. Wild. Look at that. And the cover is just beautiful. August's Thank little you. face and that hat. Oh my gosh. I mean, come on. Come I know. On. When we did when we did the cover, we're like, okay, so August is gonna sell every copy <laughs> of the book. That's fine. Whatever <laughs> works, Heather. It doesn't really matter. Whatever works to get these books in people's hands. Right. <laughs> Heather, thank you for sharing your beautiful family. Thank you for teaching more about what I want to teach my kids. Like, oh my gosh, you, thank you so much, Jessica. You've got it right. You are such a great voice. Oh, well, thank, thank you. I appreciate you being, you're the first person that's been on three times on the podcast. So awesome. you're, you're a celeb over here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll link to all the past episodes that you've been on on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com so they can listen to past episodes as well. And I'll link to where to get your book. Everything will be on the website. So Perfect. Heather, Enjoy this time of launching the book and enjoying all the positive feedback because everyone's just going to love it. You can be so proud of this book. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Jessica. You bet. Have an awesome day. You too. Bye. I want to thank Heather for being on the show again today. She was on episode 21. I had her back on episode 100. And now she's back because she can call herself an author now. I hope you will rush over to Amazon or to the local bookstore like Barnes & Noble and pick up The Lucky Few. It is the most beautiful story. And while we didn't get into the nitty-gritty necessarily of the contents of the book itself, that is for you to discover. She writes so beautifully and so lovingly about her journey. And it is such an inspiration to me, and I know it will be an inspiration to you. So you can get a link to the book over at our website, ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. You can also um, follow me on Instagram at JessicaDalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. You can follow her at Heather Avis or at Macy Makes My Day on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in every week. It makes me so happy to have you here. And if you're new, welcome. April has a lot of great episodes in store for you. Let me tell you who you can look forward to. We just heard this week from Katie Richardson of Pudge, and I just love that interview so much. And then next week, we're going to hear from Molly Glasgow. In keeping with the Down syndrome theme, Molly has two children with Down syndrome, one of whom she adopted and one she had biologically. She's an extraordinary mom. We'll also be talking with Rachel Tolstrup. She is a mom of eight children, ranging in ages from 20 down to two. We have a fascinating conversation about what it is like to have a large family. And I ask all those questions that you might be wondering if you see a large family out and about. And lastly, I'll be talking with Ashley Hunter-Riley, who started the program Fit Kids, which gives kids an opportunity to get active and healthy and gives them an opportunity, if they may not otherwise have that opportunity, to be active in their in their youth. So she's an amazing mom as well. In addition, I made note of this on um, our Tuesday episode, but I'm going to definitely be adding in Friday episodes again. Yay! I miss talking to you guys. We're going to have our normal, more informational episodes um, like the one today, but then also I'll be with you every Friday sharing my thoughts or revisiting other guests that we've had on in the past and then also doing our Extraordinary Mom of the Month award winner at the end of the month as usual. So I can't wait to chat with you even more during the month. Hopefully you enjoy those Friday episodes. Let me know if you do leave a rating or review on iTunes. If you're loving what you're hearing, I would love it if you'd share the podcast. If you ever want a graphic, you can always steal it from my Instagram. And I would love it if you'd share it with your friends that you know would would benefit from the stories that we share here on the Extraordinary Moms podcast. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you're having an awesome day. And I'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.